Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere and each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BGW. Void were prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Hey, I lived in New York City and Manhattan all my life, okay? So, you know, my views are a little bit different than if I lived in Iowa, perhaps. I am pro-choice in every respect and as far as it goes. I am pro-life. Everybody knows I'm pro-life. But you still, I just believe in choice. There has to be some form of punishment. For the woman? Yeah. I've been told by some people that was a older line answer. Hello and welcome to Trumpcast, the show about the man who thought his reality TV program would work better as a competition between the black contestants and the white contestants. I'm Jacob Weisberg. So about that TV show, here's my confession. Before, about a week ago, I'd never watched The Apprentice. I knew Donald Trump was famous for firing people on the air, but I couldn't have told you who Omarosa was or how the game of the show worked or why it turned into Celebrity Apprentice with Geraldo Rivera or anything else about it, including whether it was worth watching. That's why I called up my friend Virginia Heffernan, who used to be Slate's TV critic. Virginia not only writes brilliantly about television, but actually likes reality TV better than all those good shows that I like to watch. And boy, does she have Donald Trump figured out. I'll be back with that conversation right after we do the tweets. I gave a woman named Barbara Rez a top NY construction job when that was unheard of. And now she is nasty. So much for a nice thank you. What Barbara Rez does not say is that she would call my company endlessly and for years trying to come back. I said no. Isn't it funny when a failed senator like goofy Elizabeth Warren can spend a whole day tweeting about Trump and getting nothing done in the Senate? Wow. 30,000 emails were deleted by crooked Hillary Clinton. She said they had to do with a wedding reception. A liar. How could she run? The pathetic new hit ad against me misrepresents the final line. Quote, 
you can tell them to go blank themselves, was about China, not women. My guest today is Virginia Heffernan. She's a writer for many magazines, including the New York Times Magazine, and she has a book coming out that I'm so excited about called Magic and Loss, The Internet as Art. We're not talking about that today. The book's not out for a couple of weeks. We're talking about Apprentice and Donald Trump, but keep your eye peeled for that book. Virginia, welcome to the show. Thank you, Jacob. Virginia, I think we have a lot of listeners who have probably never seen The Apprentice. That would describe me about a month ago. So <laughs> just briefly, what is the show? How does the game work? Well, one thing I worry about is just like you don't know very many people voting for Trump, yeah. you maybe don't know many people have seen The Apprentice, but it is the silent majority. <laughs> um, so The Apprentice is a game show, uh, but a reality show at the same time. And instead of testing people's... Um, ability to answer quiz questions, it, it purports to test their business skills in the name of finding someone so brilliant and, and canny as to qualify to be Donald Trump's Lackey. apprentice. Yeah. Lackey. <laughs> Factotum. And it was a big hit for NBC when it started what, back in 2004, I think. Huge hit for them. Uh, Mark Burnett's the producer. He had made Survivor, whose worldview, I should say, is very socially Darwinian, social Darwinist. You can hear in the... Uh, and the surrounding material around The Apprentice and around around Survivor, that this is this brutal Hobbesian world where we have to fight it out. And uh, what they say in the beginning of The Apprentice is, this is the real jungle. You know, this is like Survivor in pinstripes. Survivor, that's, they vote you off the island. Survivor, they vote you off the island. I'm a big Survivor fan still. And and by the way, it wrapped last night. And congratulations to Michelle. I think, <laughs> I think she played a very good social game. Um, there are three parts of Survivor. There's the so-called social game. There's the physical competition. And then there's a, a strategy game. The, the Apprentice, which had this wonderful setting, they had a real personality in the figure of Donald Trump where Jeff Probst was just an, you know, an any man host. He could have been hosting Family Feud. Donald Trump was Donald Trump, but they didn't create an interesting strategy game or an interesting social game because there's no, there was no voting. You don't get voted off the island for either being weak or not playing strategically or just being disliked. It's just a tyranny. Although Donald Trump has his little group of, of counselors, which by the end of, the, of the, the show's run is like just his family, right? But it started out with there's some kind of like gray eminence guy and some woman, woman who were like on the panel of judges with That's him. That's right. They're somewhere between the non-Simon Cowell hosts on um, American Idol and – um, like Smithers in uh, in The Simpsons, you know, the guy. They where, just suck up to Donald Trump. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. Where Montgomery Burns, I mean, they call him Mr. Trump. I think <laughs> Ivanka, his daughter, calls him Mr. Trump or almost. Um, and they um, they say, well, that's one seems very insubordinate to me, Mr. Trump, about the people that they want to fire. Like Smithers always saying, like, Montgomery Burns sometimes says, somebody up there loves me. And Smithers says, somebody down here, too, loves you, sir. <laughs> <laughs> You know, there's yeah. a lot of that. I haven't watched that much of it, but but it's sort of watching it, you know, it seems to be 
Trump performing this kind of theater of cruelty, right? I mean, it's his arbitrary feelings about who he's going to fire. He obviously takes great relish in firing yes. people, although he often said, oh, that was really hard. But yeah. um, he loves firing people. And you, it's this sort of willful infliction of pain yeah. on, on these people who, you know, you sort of see them. This is what they were aspiring to do. And he just kicks them out based on his what he had for breakfast or his mood. Yeah. I mean, that, I love the idea that it's theater of cruelty because that that boardroom, which was the so-called tribal council reworked for the pinstripes version of Survivor, that boardroom is high drama. Um, it's shot in this very noir, noirish way. And the people are very made up. Think of like Omarosa or some of the like some of the heroes of heroes of the show. They're, well, say who Omarosa was, because I, I was just trying to I just yeah. was watching some of these clips. Who was Omarosa? So Survivor doesn't really have villains in the same way because the villain might also be a very strategic player. So people tend to tip their hats to people who play a canny, shrewd game, even if they're mean. But because Trump, as a persona on the show, is very, I love you, I hate you, the show very successfully in the first season created a villain and a woman named Omarosa. I can't remember her last name, but like typical reality shows, only first names are used. And uh, one of the episodes after Omarosa was violently cut from the game. They said, you know, we're bringing back or we have some some things coming this, you know, this next game. Two words, Oma new card, Rosa. <laughs> so she had was built up as being like sort of just the scourge of Trump, you know, and he thrives in that setting. Interestingly, later in the game, later in many games, because they brought her back many, many times, they could never create a character as good as, as she is. He decided that he liked her. And this is actually something, I mean, just to, you know, call attention to Trump's role now, He's done with Megyn Kelly. You know, it's just like, I hate you. And then just like, somehow you won me over and I love you. I blo- I broke you down. He tamed her. I mean, did he, he tame, tamed, did he, he tame Omarosa he, in the same way? That's, I mean. Because he clearly broke Megyn Kelly. Yes, he broke, he, yes. Or at least in the theater of it, he did that. And yeah. I think that's probably what he did to her too, actually. But all of this, the love you, I hate you thing goes to, I think, what is um, most striking about his performance as host of that show or a boss of that show, which is he's capricious and tyrannical. I think there's some philosopher Hume or, or Kant <laughs> or something who says the worst, the limit case of human depravity is to be a capricious tyrant. So if you're a tyrant and everybody knows what you're going to do, that's one thing. But if you're a capricious tyrant as a parent, as a president, as a king, then the, you keep the population in awe because they never know what you're going to do and what you do is binding. Right. And so – They don't the, know how to satisfy Trump. I mean, they don't he, know how to satisfy him. So one of the things you may remember from the, um, you know, the really famous firings on the show is how um, – He's set to fire someone, and another character intervenes on that person's behalf, say, to say, you know what? He actually did a good job as project manager. And Trump looks over at that person and says, what an idiot you are for intervening for someone else. You're fired. <laughs> you know, it, <laughs> And he'll fire extra people. Like the, the format yes. of the show is you fire one person, and sometimes he'll just fire three people for yes. the fun of it. Yes, yeah. exactly. And it, it has that, you know, that mafia look. I don't know if it's the you know, Untouchables or something, which is just like, and I'll shoot you too. You know? <laughs> um, we're laughing because there's something adrenaline-y and interesting about seeing that happen. He, like one time he's talking to Gene Simmons, the Kiss frontman, who's a friend of his. And he's about to fire one of the other two people. But uh, Simmons makes what he thinks is a bad decision. 
And he keeps saying, you know, you're my friend, Gene. Do what I tell you to do. It's for you. It's, it's, I'm speaking for you. And Gene Simmons refuses. And he's so mad at the insubordination of someone who's probably older than he is or is certainly his age and a peer that he says, um, Gene, you're fired. You know why I have to do this. <laughs> and, you know, Trump has talked about how his father, toward Ivana in particular, his, his first wife, was always telling her what to do, what to order, what to – because for her own good. You know, right. I'm doing this for you. And he does that sometimes to the contestants. How much do you think – I mean, obviously, most of America knows Trump through these programs. Yeah. I happen not to because I hadn't really watched them. How much do you think that show and the, his persona from that show is responsible for his political success? I mean, this is, you know, a campaign that everyone got wrong, right? Nate Silver said it was a 2% chance or a 5% mm-hmm. chance. All the kind of political analyst class, people like me, who looked at this as a, this guy as a candidate, said that there's no way that this man gets elected to anything. But he had this sort of out in the open secret life as this reality TV show star for 14 or 15 seasons. Yeah. Right. Is that why he's where he is right now? I think that one thing you can see in the show is that he's like, he's the voice of the id or just a florid male emotionalism. He's practically an hysteric because his reasons for firing people, and this is where he's completely at odds with the Nate Silver style worldview, are, you know, this irrationalism first. He's actually, you know, he always is balking at so-called political correctness, these phantoms. But he, in fact, is very easily triggered and made to feel unsafe, you know, as they say. Like, he hates then as now on The Apprentice and now being interrupted. It's like the worst thing in his um, – the transcript of his interview with the Washington Post editorial board. He talks about a guy at one of his rallies who he said was so loud and he goes on like, you know, a 200-word riff about how this guy should be in the opera. Pavarotti isn't as loud as he is. It's just like the concept that someone would raise his voice to drown out Trump, who has the mic, who's at the podium. But in the in The Apprentice, he does the same thing. If someone interrupts him while he's on his spiel about something usually emotional, he fires them. And I think for every one of us who's just been like, oh, why do I have to make a policy argument against this person? I just don't like him. He bugs me. You know, <laughs> That's his argument, right. You know, and he gets to be – he's the one who gets to be annoyed, who gets to be like, I just don't like your face and that's why I don't want to work with you. And in some ways, lots of us feel that way. And I certainly think people who feel oppressed by political correctness or oppressed by – you know, I just wrote a piece for, for Politico about Trump and Twitter and – I was sort of thinking that there are a lot of people in this country who are like are very nervous because they can't keep up with they can't tell Muslims from Sikhs say I'm, I'm sure my grandfather couldn't and um, or they compliment a woman on her figure in the office and suddenly that's wrong so they feel like they're on eggshells all the time and what Trump does is just crunch down those eggshells he's just like you know what I mostly think about you you're ugly you know <laughs> I don't even um, hold myself to like find a better way to phrase that or think of a different thing. And it's like, I think it's a relief. It was a relief on The Apprentice. Now it seems to have gone too far. I mean, you don't mind him hosting a show for entertainment, a game show, but running the country, you know, and I think that's where the East Coast press has been, especially in New York City. I think Jack Schaefer said this, you know, we just thought like, oh, he's a, you know, circus clown or whatever, but, you know, he'd never do anything dangerous. Not only did we underestimate his capacity to attract people, but we, I think, underestimated his will to real power. Where do you think Trump 
as performer comes into this? I mean, at what level is he playing a role then and playing a role now? And at what level is this his real, this is who he is? He's just, he's, as you say, it's the id set free and he's acting out who a lot of other men would be if they could get away with it. Yeah, I think he's acting out that role. I think he, you know, what other men would be the sort of feeling that like, the only reason you don't talk like me is because you're like castrated by civilization and feminists on the one hand, or you're just personal failure, you know, <laughs> um, because success, this is what success looks like. You get to say what you want. One thing I heard him say, I was rewatching The Apprentice a little bit. He keeps talking about The Apprentice launched at the beginning where he needed to make a comeback. He admits that he's billions of dollars in debt and the show in the, op- in the old opening used to show the debt clock. Like yep, as yep. if the trillions of dollars of national <laughs> debt were his debt. Even his um, debt is really big. Exactly, it's the it's biggest huge debt. debt. <laughs> um, and he uh, he talks about being in debt. So he talks about setbacks, but that he's come back, made more money than ever, and having more fun. That's a big part of it too. He does make it look like fun, and I will say that his Democratic counterparts. As much as I love one of them in particular and supporter, they don't always look like they're just like, this uh, is a big lark. And he, I think, said today, I am, isn't this fun? I'm having a great time. You yeah. know, that looks good too. You know, that looks good. On the opening, on the opening of The Apprentice, you really do think I'll, I'll have what he's having. Yeah. You know? <laughs> <laughs> um, how do you win with this guy? He clearly has contempt for weakness, you know, and he homes in on it. I mean, he can smell people's weakness and he, you know, will destroy them for that. But as you say, he also can't stand people standing up to him and challenging him. Yeah. So what is a, ever an effective strategy on the show for succeeding with Trump? That's a, that's a good question. I mean, the, um, you know, Bill, who won the first season, was a good soldier, he was like had a brush cut and he pretty much yes sir and no sir and he was a little bit lackluster as for the omarosa types who really like come at him hard and get under his skin you know for whatever reason she now as you say Megan Kelly like have submit, submitted to being to being tamed by him i mean so I, he likes brisk efficiency or surrender or i guess yeah. ideally the combination yeah. yeah but i think probably not trying to think about how to please or displease Donald Trump, right. it would be the only, like the real way to go. Like he doesn't like psychology either. For his <laughs> for his opponents, well, to the extent that he's in your head, yeah. you probably are already, you know, acting in like a craven, codependent way. Like <laughs> either drawing hard boundaries with him, or you know, acquiescing and being tamed. I mean, I, I, you know, every time someone says, like, the Times saying this thing of he, you know, sexually harassed 50 women and trying to kind of cosbify his lechery, yeah. I think it sounds a little contrived, right? The only thing that will stop him is handcuffs. If, like, <laughs> I don't want to hear any, like, he's annoying or brash. I don't like him. He's got bad hair. I just do, like, when there is that line that says he has, like, you know, broken international law or federal law and he can be locked up behind bars, then he'll be stopped by the press. Virginia, thank you so much for joining me. It's great to be here. It's great to see you. That's it for today's episode of Trumpcast. But I have an announcement. On Monday, I'm going to be at the Sixth and I Synagogue in Washington, D.C. at 7 o'clock with my brother, Joe Weisberg. My brother is the creator of the FX show, The Americans, And I just wrote a biography of Ronald Reagan. So we're going to be talking about Reagan, the Americans, and the 1980s. It's going to be an 80s quiz. It's going to be a lot of fun. Please join us if you can. Trumpcast was produced by Henry Malofsky and Jason DeLeon. 
until I fired them. Steve Lichtai, Slate's executive producer, he tried sticking up for Henry and Jason, and I fired him too. Andy Bowers, I hope you enjoyed being chief content officer because you're fired. Now scram, get out of here, all of you. I'm Jacob Weisberg. The only guy who can fire me is John D. Domenico. Thanks for listening to Trumpcast. I like Michael Douglas. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.